Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 14 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. As always, my name is Mark Schofield here in the big chair for today, Saturday, December 14th, 2019. Hope all of you listening had an enjoyable Friday the 13th, kept away from letters and black cats and all sorts of superstitious things. But as always, we are here to get you ready for your football weekend ahead as well as take a look back at some of the best we had to offer here at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network from our flagship show, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast with Rich Hill and Alex Shane to Patriot Nation with Pat Land and Ryan Spagnoli to the Sco Show with yours truly and our most recent edition, Pulpit Playback, where we look back at some great moments in Patriot history. Also, we have some great music to get you in and out of these shows. That is Hope from Head of Music, and you can check them out at headofmusic.com. Don't forget, the holiday season is upon us, and if you want to get a gift for your favorite hosts of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, the best thing you can do is to subscribe to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast feed wherever you get your podcast, and leave us some reviews. Five-star reviews, as always, are appreciated. Not just the holiday season, but year-round. Now, after what's been a long week, the Patriots finally get a chance to play a football game again. Headed out to Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Many believe, myself included, that this is your sort of get-right opportunity. I had a piece this weekend on Pat's Pulpit about how the running game could get right. We've got other people, both on the podcasts and on the website, patspulpit.com, writing pieces how this could be the get-right opportunity. Hopefully, the Patriots take advantage of that. They will have perhaps a pretty good opportunity to do that given the injury report that came out on Friday afternoon. Nobody listed as out for the New England Patriots. Listed as questionable. A couple of players, but nobody listed as doubtful. Now here are your Patriots that are listed as questionable on the final report. Wide receiver Julian Edelman with, oh, look, he's been banged up all year long. It's listed as a knee and shoulder injury. He's banged up, still playing well. The guy's a warrior. Wide receiver Muhammad Sadu with his high ankle sprain. Ted Karras with his knee injury is listed as questionable. Hopefully he can go. Defensive tackle Danny Shelton with a shoulder. Defensive tackle Brian Coward coming back from that concussion. Linebacker Juwan Bentley with a knee injury. And cornerback Jason McCourty with a groin injury. Now for the Bengals, they've had some guys listed as out. Wide receiver A.J. Green is still out with his ankle injury. Defensive tackle Rennell Wren is out with a hip injury. As players listed as questionable, Darkeese Dennard, their cornerback, as an illness, is listed as questionable. Obviously, the big name, Tom Brady removed from the injury report, as well as Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver. Brady had been listed as a full participant while managing an injury to his throwing elbow. Harry had practiced in full while dealing with a hip injury. Also unlisted, Isaiah Wynn. He popped up on the injury report as out on Thursday with an eye injury. But he's back now, not listed on the injury report. So Patriots seem to be getting healthy, which is good as we look ahead to the stretch drive. Up next here, the rake scale. And with the regular season and the conference championship games behind us, the college football playoff set, we've got a couple of, you know, about 10 days or so. Well, actually just a week until bowl season begins. Bowl season actually gets underway, believe it or not, on the 20th. I know. Bowl season is upon us. Bowl season getting off in earnest on Friday, December 20th. And since you won't get a chance to hear from me on this show before then, you get next Friday, Buffalo versus Charlotte, 
at 2 p.m. in the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. And then Utah State versus Kent State at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN2 in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. I'm sure you've probably seen some of the memes like, you know, the name of your bowl game is the last thing you bought and the last thing you ate. So mine would be, I guess, the wrapping paper smoked ham bowl. It's Christmas season, kids. So anyway, bowl season getting kicked off in earnest on Friday, December 20th. But we do have a game. Even though it's like a a four-rake day on the rake schedule, you can get some things done. Maybe you've still got some leaves to take care of. Maybe you've got some holiday shopping to get done. Maybe you've got some holiday parties to go to. But I do want you to set aside some time in the 3 p.m. hour. Because it's Army-Navy Day. Army and Navy squaring off again at Lincoln Financial Field. Army coming into this game unranked. Navy, number 23 in the country. But as Bill Belichick said this week, records, rankings, none of that matters. Absolutely none of that matters. And I sort of got my first real exposure to Army-Navy when I was in law school because William & Mary, you know, in the southeastern Virginia area, Williamsburg, Virginia, we had a lot of... You know, men and women from the Naval Academy, men and women from the, you know, West Point, a lot of, had a lot of men and women with military backgrounds. And I remember Army-Navy week, like you on campus, professors would open up the blackboard and it's like, go Army, beat Navy. Like, it's all over the campus. And this is a school that is not a military academy at all. But it matters. This game matters. You know, you go to West Point and you walk through the beat Navy tunnel. It's on campus. Like... This is the game that matters. And it's a spectacle beyond all spectacles. It is truly a bucket list item for me. You know, it's one of the games that I've tried to get credentials for before. I I just need to just break down and go to this game and just observe it. There have been times when it's been in and around Baltimore. A couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I had an event in Baltimore the night before Army-Navy. You know, we stayed downtown, but we were with, you know, some of the Navy parents at a hotel, bar, the night before the game, getting a chance to like talk to them and just the pride they have in their children, you know, playing in this game the next day. So if you get a chance, 3 p.m. on CBS, watch some Army Navy. You know, it's special stuff. Also, down a level. Let's face it, we got Division Two and Division Three playoffs ahead. And as an old D three quarterback, you know, I've got a soft spot for this stuff. And so at the Division Two level, you've got Slippery Rock, they're the two-seed host in Minnesota State. That's at 12.30 p.m. You can catch this on ESPN3. And the other semifinal, the D2 level, you've got number one in their bracket, Ferris State hosting number four in their bracket, West Florida. That game kicks at 3.30. So that's what you have at the Division II level, all these on ESPN3. Then you go down a level to Division Three. You get North Central at Muhlenberg. That's at 12 p.m. And then a game I'm going to be paying attention to for some personal reasons, St. John's of Minnesota at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. My boy Owen Reese at Reese Draft on the Twitter machine. He is a coach, a graduate assistant offensive line coach for the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, hoping to pound the rock on Saturday as they host St. John's of Minnesota. That's a 3 o'clock kick. Good luck, Owen, and to the rest of the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. So check those games out. Uh, on ESPN3 if you get a chance. Last thing I do want to mention, 
and it's I've been remiss in bringing this up on my show, but I did want to mention it. For those of you in the Mid-Atlantic, in the Baltimore area that are Patriots fans, there is a group of Patriots fans down in Fells Point. They go to Dog Watch Tavern. You can head in there. Let them know Mark Schofield sent you. Kevin Kaysen, he's the guy that runs it. You know, Let them know I, t- I said hello. There's a great group of fans over there down in Fells Point. This would be an ideal game to go check it out. They're going to have, you know, there are times when it feels like you're at Gillette. You know, they take that place over. It's a dedicated group of 60, 70 plus Patriots fans in the Baltimore area. So if you get a chance, if you got, you know, nowhere else to watch the game, you're looking for something to do, a place to watch the game, because it's not going to be televised. It's, come on, kids. Check out Dog Watch Tavern in Fells. Let them know, let Kevin know I sent you over. Um, tell Kevin I said hello. That will do it for my portion of the show. Up next, some of the best we had to offer here on episode 14 of Pat's Pulpit, Radio Rewind. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 14 of Pat's Pulpit, Radio Rewind. And it's time for the heart of the show, some of the best we had to offer over the previous week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And we begin with episode 49 of the Sco Show, which unfortunately was another melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the SCO show. And rather than title it a melancholy and the infinite sadness installment, I called it the come to Jesus moment, the come to Jesus conversation. And I hearkened back to my days as a lawyer and set out some hard truths about your favorite football team. But I do have to put the lawyer hat back on right now in a somewhat different way. When I was practicing law as a litigator, again, handling various types of cases, personal injury, employment cases, medical malpractice cases, sensitive issues, there were times when we had to have difficult conversations. And a partner that I used to work with would term them the come to Jesus talk. When you had to bring the client in, you had to sit them down, you had to give them the coffee and whatever pastries or whatever you felt like bringing to the office that day because you knew the discussion that had to happen. And it was often along the lines of, look, we've been going at it for your case here for months now, and it's just not coming together the way you might like. The facts aren't against you. The law isn't against you. For whatever reason, the dreams that you might have had or the things that you might have thought about your case just are not going to come together for you. And it is time to have the difficult discussion about where we go from here. I think given the last two weeks, and frankly, given the last couple of, you know, games from this team, even more than a couple of weeks, probably the last month and a half now, that come to Jesus discussion is upon us, friends. The bottom line is this. This is not a complete football team. Then on Tuesday, we dropped episode 177 of our flagship show, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And in this clip, Rich and Alec have their own harsh truths about the state of the Patriots offense. On offense for a very, very long time. And outside of Julian Edelman, who is in the midst of a career season for himself, he's already broken a thousand yards from scrimmage, six touchdowns. He's on pace to set career highs for pretty much every single mark. Uh, There isn't much that they can expect out of the running back. Their next uh, you know, number two, three, and four yard gainers on the air 
on running backs. James White, 780 yards from scrimmage. Sony Michelle, 728. And then Rex Burkhead at 371. So your next top receivers are Philip Dorsett and Jacoby Myers, two players who have been, uh, you know, very underwhelming when they've been thrust into a larger role. One for Myers is acceptable because he is an undrafted rookie. And then Dorsett, you would just have to expect a little bit more out of him, but it's very clear that he's better suited for, you know, a number three or number four role in an offense. So I don't see a fix immediately around the corner. I don't think they have the option to rely on the run game like they did last year because they don't have David Andrews at center. They don't even have Ted Karras at center. They have James Ferentz. They don't have experience at left tackle with Isaiah Wynn. Marcus Cannon does not look as good as he had in previous years. They don't have James Devlin. They don't have Jakob Johnson. They have Landon Roberts, a converted linebacker. So they just don't have the talent around Sony Michelle and the running game to compensate and dominate on the ground so I don't have confidence that they can do that the one thing I think that they could do to be different from recent weeks Alec and let me know what you think on that is get James White involved more and earlier it seems like they have some success when they go tempo and when they involve James White in the passing game it just seems like they don't do that for some reason no they don't and it makes me wonder if Opposing defenses who know, based on Brady's entire career as an NFL quarterback, they know that if you get pressure on Brady, based on the fact that the Chiefs blitzed almost every single down on Sunday, he's not going to be able to throw the ball well. That's a very tried and true fact for any defensive coordinator. You pressure Brady early, you get to him, you get him rattled. And James White, I think you and I talked about it extensively last season. Now, he was hands down running away the MVP of the team last year. As a runner, as a receiver, he was the man, and for some reason he's just fallen off, and it might be because the Patriots are too predictable on offense. It's basically you double Julian Edelman. When James White's in, they're in a passing down. When Sony Michelle's in, they're running down, and they adjust their defenses accordingly, and the Patriots don't have that second option, that Gronkowski, that what Sanu, I think, was supposed to be when he came to the Patriots, where they can really fool defenses with other players. It's either Edelman or White, and therefore defenses can key up on them, and there's really nothing they can do about it. Now, someone's going to have to step up in the postseason, I'm imagining, whether it be White, whether it be Michelle, whether it be Sanu, whether it be Nikhil Harry. I don't know who it's going to be, but if this offense is nothing but Edelman and James White, I trust the defense still. Defense had a very sound game against the Chiefs, but I just don't think 16 points is ever going to be enough to win against teams like the Colts, Ravens, Chiefs, and Texans. Then on Wednesday, we dropped episode 50 of the SCO Show, and this anniversary show is an absolutely happy affair as we talked about the taping of the Bengals' sideline and the ineptitude of the Patriots' passing game. In this clip, I break down the fourth down play at the end of the game against the Kansas City Chiefs and why, yes, trust is an issue. And if you want to return to trust, the final play of the game, not the final play, but the final Patriots offensive play, it's fourth and three at the five. You've got three receivers to the left. You're running double China seven. Number, rece- number one receiver on the outside runs a five yard in right at the goal line. Number two receiver, the middle trips receiver, Jacoby Myers, he's running an in route. He's going to be right at the first down marker. Your number three receiver, Julian Edelman, He's running the corner route. Now, initially, I thought it's double China seven. You're trying to get that corner route from the inside receiver, man-to-man coverage. That's a nice look, but it's not your primary read on the play. You look at playbooks. 
You look at coaching clinics, you watch coaching clinics. When they break down this play, the quarterback's first read is that first in cut from the number two receiver, who, by the way, is Jacoby Myers. And he's open. When Brady releases this throw, Myers is open right at the two-yard line for what would have been a first down. But Brady gets man coverage and goes to his second read, which is the corner route to Edelman, and that gets broken up. If you do want to talk about trust, and I know guys like Dan Orlovsky highlighted this play and others, there's a point to be made here. Because staring at a playbook right now, you look at that route concept, the first read's open. He throws to the second read, and the pass gets deflected. So those were some of the takeaways I had watching this offense. It's it's a struggle right now in the passing game. And a lot of the things we've talked about are there, are present. A lot of the things that we didn't talk about in the post-game show, we get to see here. Um, Brady not coming to his first read when it's open. Maybe there is a trust issue. All the ugliness that we've been discussing on the Slack channel elsewhere, it's here. Then on Thursday, we tried to be a little bit more positive with our outlook on the weekend ahead. We had a bit of a get-right day over at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Up first was episode 178 of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And in this clip, Alec and Rich talk about how the Patriots' offense could get going against the Bengals. And so I think that the Patriots will probably run the ball a little bit with Sonny Michel because they need to soften that front of the the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe that will open up some of the play action and that will allow the the Patriots to create some semblance of a passing game that makes a lot of sense and I think this is kind of thing where the play action gets going and I hope there's a situation where the protection is up too because if the Patriots can't get a solid protection against a good defensive line and a weak secondary uh, it just doesn't really bode well for for future games they have a very tough Buffalo Bills defense on the horizon and some pretty good defenses in the playoffs as well so I'm really hoping this is the game that they write the ship uh, if you're going to pick kind of a group as the next factor I'm going to do the same and I'm going to say the tight end group needs to step up not only as a receiving threat but one thing we're really missing this season rich as uh as rob gronkowski continues to enjoy his retirement is a blocking tight end we just don't have that the the notion of being able to motion gronk out wide and if brady sees a blitz package is like or he diagnoses the defense he audibles brings gronkowski in to protect we just don't have that in Ben Watson, Matt Lacoste, and, and Ryan Izzo when he's on the field. There's not a good blocking tight end, so I want to see the blocking tight ends do well. I want to see some some seam routes from, from Izzo and excuse me, from Lacoste and Ben Watson. There's something from the tight end because the production there is just really lacking. And then on episode 51 of the SCO Show, I had my thoughts on why this could be a get-right game for the Patriots' Russian attack. And it could, in a sense, mirror what we saw last year, Right. Down the stretch, they relied on the ground game. They relied on James Devlin paving the way for Sonny Michelle, and it helped get them into the playoffs. Remember that Week 16 game against Buffalo last year? The passing game looked bad, but Sonny Michelle had a bit of a breakout kind of game. Could we see that repeat this year with this game this week and then Buffalo again coming to Gillette Stadium next Saturday? I think there's a chance for that to come into place. And so I'm going to be watching the ground game this week. I know that this is a game that the Patriots should win and win handily. Yes, there's all sorts of other stuff circling around the team right now from, you know, the, the, the Do Your Job documentary taping and all of that. I know there are some expectations now that the Patriots are going to come out and roll, and they should. 
But I'm going to be paying attention to the ground game. Can they get it going this week against a defense that from the numbers and the film is given opportunities up? Then on Friday, we closed out the week with episode 56 of Patriot Nation. And Pat and Spags did a great job sort of breaking down the week that was talking about you know, Spygate 2.0 and the state of the Patriots and all sorts of things. Really check out their entire show. But I wanted to play in particular this clip where Pat gets into sort of the state of the Patriots and looking big picture where this team is right now in mid-December. And we want to win one more Super Bowl, at least before that happens. And so you start looking at this team and wondering, can we compete? Can we beat the Chiefs? Can we beat the Ravens now? Can we beat the Niners? Or can we beat, you know, Seattle and, and you know, whoever else they we're going to play right in? Now. They right can't now right they now. can't. And so now, so it's like, okay, they started out 9-0, and and you're like, all right, this team is super hot. Their defense is amazing and this and that. And they start playing some good teams, some good offenses, and you're like, oh, man, okay, this defense is still good. They're still very good. They're probably a top five defense in the NFL, but they're not the 85 Bears. They're not as good as maybe we thought they were. And so now you're like, okay, do we have a chance of making the Super Bowl? And then, okay, fine, maybe we don't win the Super Bowl. Maybe we, maybe we do. What's going to happen next year? So there's a lot of anxiety going into this year because we don't know what the future holds, and we're not sure if we're going to if we have the capability of winning. Now we were in the same situation last year, one week later. Matter of fact, going into this week, they had just lost the Miracle in Miami. They were going into Pittsburgh. They played a terrible game against Pittsburgh and lost to Pittsburgh, and then figured it out against two crappy teams on the last two games of the season and went into the playoffs a completely different team. And so, you know, maybe they're able to turn it around and maybe we say, hey, these three games, they build off the Cincinnati win, they they beat Buffalo. But, like, you know, right now it's really scary and people are, and people are nervous. And I, and I think that they have a right to be nervous and they should be nervous. And I think, you know, your point. So there you have it, friends. Just some of the best we had to offer here this week at Pat's Pulpit. That would do it for today. Next time you hear from us is hopefully after a victory over the Bengals on Sunday. But let's face it, week from right now, week from today, if you listen to this on Saturday, the Buffalo Bills come to town. And you know we'll do everything we can to get you ready for that one because let's face it, the AFC East might be on the line, as amazing as that sounds. And so from the front office to the advanced scouting department who does their job, to the coaching staff, the players, and yes, even the hosts of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, there are no days off.